This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome to WWD Voices. I'm Evan Clark, Deputy Managing Editor of WWD, and I'm joined today by Jordan Fisher, CEO and founder of Standard AI, a pioneer in artificial intelligence that's helping retailers use these amazing new tools that we're still all trying to understand. Uh, thanks so much for being here, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Super excited. Yeah, no. So maybe can we just start? Let's start. We want to go big on AI, but first let's start with what you're doing. Can you explain what you're doing with standard AI and how you use artificial intelligence to change the retail experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, what we're really doing is trying to transform spaces. And what's really cool about computer vision is that it, it understands what's happening in our, our everyday, normal, boring spaces. So we, we put up cameras, we put them into convenience stores and micro markets and just other retail locations. And those cameras then understand what's happening in the store. They understand where products are, they understand where people are how they're interacting with those products. And then we use that to deliver great experiences for both the shopper and for the, the retail employees and the you know retail HQ. And probably our most famous product is what we call autonomous checkout. And it's this ability for shoppers to walk in, grab items, walk out, and they get their receipt automatically. So you get to, you get to skip the line, you get to skip the drudgery, the sort of worst part of being in a store uh, and just focus on shopping and getting your receipt. So it kind of takes, takes away all that pain and, and, uh, <laughs> the boring aspects of shopping. Right. So, so this is a technology that you work a lot right now in the convenience sector. So where you're buying quick stop food. Um, but this is a technology that surely seems to be coming to the rest of retail as well. How, as you, you've gotten an early look at autonomous checkout, how does it change the experience in the store and how how might that change fashion? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, I think, you know, often we don't know how much better something can be until we experience it. But once you take away friction from a particular experience, it's really hard to go back. You know, and I think we, we've all leveled up our, or, you know, raised our expectations as shoppers and consumers when it comes to online shopping, as an example, where you know, when I'm on an online portal, I'm about to check out and it starts asking me to put in my credit card and my zip code. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Right? Like you know, I put in my, you know, doesn't my browser have my, like, can't you like, you know, get this automatically through my Google SSO or whatever, you know, like, why are you, you know, introducing all this friction? Clearly you can get like, you know, all these other sites have figured it out. Why can't you? Uh, and really that's like 10 seconds of work for me to take my credit card out. Right. But like once you've removed that 10 seconds of friction, which we've all come to, um, expect when you know, have single single click checkout on Amazon, etc. Suddenly you bring that friction back and you're like, wow, I can never really, I, I really can't tolerate this. And I think we're, we'll see and are seeing a similar phenomena in physical retail and not just with checkout, uh, autonomous checkout, but just in general, you know, we've been raising the quality bar of the experiences that we expect in our physical stores too. Uh, and suddenly when you go back, it becomes a lot more painful. So how can we, how can we then take that and apply it to more verticals? You know, we're start. We're, we're focused on convenience, like you said, but you know, I do think there will be, uh, you know, over the next couple of years, an expansion of this to to grocery, drugstores, QSR, especially 
uh, in fashion. You know, how do we make a better fashion experience? I view fashion as this really high touch industry. So how can we, which, which is good because the whole point of this technology is having an even better experience in the store. So can we further take away some of the, the drudgery on both the shopper and employee side in, in, in the fashion and vertical, right? So having that high touch experience and then afterwards you can, you're good to go and you can just leave, uh, you know, the employees can focus on upselling. They can focus on, you know, just packing up your goods, folding it nicely, putting it in a bag, and then, you know, you're, you're off to the races after that. That's just like a much, much lighter experience where you get to focus on all the good parts of shopping, which is trying things on and, you know, getting to walk out with your goods at the end. Right. So, so bringing, bringing a little bit more fun, fun back into to the experience, taking, yeah. reducing the burden of that, having to act uh, of paying and the whole process. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think there's a ton of other value add then to the retailer as well. And, you know, we're, we're just now starting to launch products that are more on the analytical side. Uh, and if you think about e-commerce, one of the, one of the ways that you drive a better experience in e-commerce is through insights and analytics, things like heat maps, where are people interacting, where does drop off happen? You have this whole conversion funnel of people showing up to your site. And then sometimes they bounce because they can't see what they want immediately. They put something into their cart and then they abandon that cart for some reason, right? But you have all this rich insights into what's happening and that lets you drive a better experience. Maybe I need to be advertising this particular product better. Or I need to drop the price of this particular product. And online retailers leverage that heavily to drive an amazing experience, which helps them, helps them drive sales, but it's better for the shopper too. You don't really have any of that in the physical retail. There's no insights into what's happening inside of your store. You know, people walk in you know, people buy things and you have nothing in between. So it's the other, you know, compelling aspect of computer vision is suddenly it says, well, wait a minute, I can show you the full conversion funnel in your store. Person walked in, they spent two minutes looking at, you know, this rack, they interacted with these two, you know, uh, you know, pair of jeans. Ultimately they banned the pair of jeans. And they went over and they bought this black sweater because that's all I buy It's black sweaters. And, you know, like you get to see all of that rich, it, you know, in an anonymized way, but you get to see all this rich data, which then helps you drive a better experience. You know, maybe this part of your store is not getting visibility, it's not getting traffic, and it's because it's in a dark corner, or because of the way your layout is, uh, you know, you just aren't driving people into a particular direction. So you get to get a much richer set of tools, which helps you drive a better store, drive a better store experience. Right. So, you know, it's interesting because you know, retailers have spent a hundred years more, you know, since the dawn of time, kind of people at the at the checkout register or in the stores watching customers under trying to understand what they're doing how they're operating trying to give them a better experience i mean that's that's the whole that's in some ways the whole retail gig and you have a what is it that ai is going to be able to do that a century worth worth of shopkeepers have not been able to do yeah it's a great it's a great question i i mean humans are great at this stuff right like we're we are intuition engines we don't need you know what you see with AI today is it can often outperform humans, but it needs an incredible amount of data. Once you can get it a ton of data, it can often do better than so, But humans are amazing. We're these intuitive creatures that with you know much less data can make these great insights. And a store manager in their store probably has great insight into what's happening in their store. You know, they're in intuiting that you know you have this dark corner where people aren't going. They see it, right? Like they're just out there looking, they're on the floor, they're seeing what's happening, they're seeing that you know these black t-shirts aren't converting well. And they're trying to make changes, you know, and often there's this, this tension between HQ and store managers where you want to partially empower store managers to be able to make these, these on the floor, um, changes because they're the ones that have the intuition versus HQ, which has some amount of 
of sort of a global vision in terms of they see the sales, they see what's working, right? So like there's there's a little bit of tension between HQ, which has data, and on the ground, which has intuition. And I think what we what we want to do is we want to empower people on the ground, right? We want to give them even better data because ultimately the data that HQ has is is pretty limited. It doesn't have the same types of data that the store manager has, right? It doesn't have this this vision piece of where are people, where are they interacting, where are people, you know, getting confused, et cetera. So suddenly we as a technology provider, we get the same insights in some ways that the store manager has, but we get to quantize it. We get to, you know, see it across many stores, bring back those learnings and bring it back to the store manager. And at some point we might be confirming their intuition. That's great. But we also might be surfacing things that they hadn't hadn't seen. Really it's about empowering them to, to have more insights to bring to bear. So is is it, it sounds a little bit like in you know in in, in a perfect world it's you have a your best store manager who has seen every interaction at every store across the country and is able to kind of feed that intelligence up to what the supply chain is producing and down to the store associates who can you know, interact more directly. Is that, is that the right way to think about, I guess, what's is it possible today or that's where we're headed, hopefully, maybe? Already, I would say a combination of the, the two. You know, it's, this is rapidly improving technology and it already has a lot of, um, you know, compelling aspects to it. But yeah, I think, what, you know, one of the things that I, I, I find compelling is you can, you can take somebody and level them up. You, you give them the tools and they can perform like one of your top performing operators or top performing store managers because you're giving them these insights that, they just previously didn't have, you know, rather than hoping that your store manager has the right intuition and some of them will, and some of them won't. And then, you know, you know retail is retail right today is fundamentally a, an operations based business, right? It's about people and finding quality people, incentivizing people. And that, that exists at the, you know, at the, the ground level, the operator level and the store manager level, et cetera. Right. So like you're, you're constantly working hard to find these store managers who have demonstrated this great intuition as one of their facets, right? Of course, they also have to be good managers, et cetera, right? And suddenly you take some of that pressure off and you say, wait a minute, with technology, we can provide that intuition. We can provide these better insights and we can apply that consistently across your entire fleet. So we'll be empowering your store managers to be best in class store operators. Let them focus on the things that are, you know, things only they can do, like managing store staff, as an example. Right. So what's the, in this today or in the future or whatever, what's the interface between a, for, for this kind of context as running a retail store, what's the AI interface? Is it between, you know, to the consumers are our consumers interacting with this AI or is it just the people? Do people get their morning marching orders from their email now? Kind of what, how, how does man, where does, where do man and machine meet? Yeah. So it starts with the sensors, which is cameras. And, you know, part of part of what gets me so excited about computer vision is cameras are sort of like a universe, universal interface, right? You don't, you know, if you think about other retail tech, tech um, you have to integrate with point of sale systems or inventory management systems or loyalty systems. And fundamentally, that's not hard to do. It's just, it's slow and laborious and, and kind of fractured. There's an insane number of loyalty programs, et cetera. So like, if you're a tech company, that's trying to provide some service and you have to do those integrations it just it slows everything down um because it's all custom every every one of the interfaces is custom what's cool about vision is that vision is just vision right there's photons bouncing off of the surface and you put a camera up and it understands what's happening i don't need to go out and integrate with xyz point of sale system it's just cameras and we're you know in ai and we're suddenly we're off to the races in terms of understanding what's happening in the store so that 
that input, the sensor is, you know, it's just, it's almost like a, a free open, uh, you know, API to the world, to reality. It's like, you know, reality's API. Right. Which is great. And then how do you enter, like, so the input to the system is really easy in that sense. And then what is the output? Here, you still have to work. You still have to figure out how to reach back to the to the people in the store, whether it's the shoppers or the or the employees. And we do we do both. So we provide experiences for shoppers. That's our autonomous checkout system. And you have an app on your phone. And that's what lets you just walk in, walk out, and get your receipt automatically. But you know, so there is a touch point there, so you can go back and look at your receipts, etc. Put your credit card information in. You know, all that old fashioned stuff. And then when you're trying to reach the operator. It's also in some ways pretty old fashioned, right? We're, we're building management dashboards that you can review at your leisure of, hey, here's here's the heat maps of your store. Here's the past. Here's how people are moving through. Here's the here's the products that are converting really well. Um, here's the products that would be converting well if they were in a better part of the store, right? Right. Like so, so that's what we, were you, that's where you would see potentially this area of your store is getting, this is the highest conversion point. Yeah, exactly. This is where most people are, who are here are buying the most, this is your best selling product. Move that over there. You know, it's giving you that information. Okay. Exactly. You want to do that sort of normalization, right? Because today you already, your POS already tells you I'm selling this many sweaters, right? This, you know, this brand, like this is what's selling best, but you don't know how many impressions those sweaters got. So actually that might be a under, even though it's your best selling item, it actually might not be your best performing item in some sense, right? Like maybe it's getting a ton of it, you know, it's right when you walk into the store. So of course people, you know, it's getting a lot of visibility. Meanwhile, you've got this item that from the point of sale systems perspective is underperforming, but it's actually in the you know, in the dark corner of your store and only one person a week is looking at it, but they're always buying it every time they see it, right? And it's like, well, that's that's an opportunity. So have, having the ability to understand that, normalize it by impressions, which is, you know, this is bread and butter for e-commerce. You, you can you can measure the impressions. Um, bringing that to physical retail is, is super powerful. Right. So retail is detail, people like to say, and you you've got... It's clear that this the, the potential of these tools to, you know, really zero in and 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 make stores or make interactions with shoppers a little more efficient really can make can make big changes. But this is I want to broaden out the conversation some because AI is suddenly everywhere, and it, it seems to be I, I think Chat GPT had a big part to do with that, and people are kind of realizing the potential here and we hear things about oh we need to take a break we need to regulate this industry what what happened over the past couple months with ai and this is a field that you've been working in for for many years now yep. does that does the sudden interest the sudden explosion of this surprise you what's just what's happening where where are we headed with this yeah i mean it's it's pretty fascinating to i mean i'm infinitely fascinated by AI, obviously. But you know, what's interesting is that it's been a pretty steady march of progress. If you're if you're in the field, there's these core metrics that we followed that are like, you know, the accuracy as an example of certain systems for different tasks. And there's all these tasks that AI researchers work on in a, in a very academic sense, right? And if you just look over time, there's just been this nice slow increase uh, of, of accuracy on these various tasks, right? So in some ways it's just like nice gradual but what's interesting from an impact perspective is you get these step functions, right? Uh, and you know, as an example, our company we decided to start standard because we reached one of these step functions. So uh, that was accuracy on image recognition. Uh, so you have, you know, you can go back and look at all the statistics or all of the metrics and just nice slow steady increase on image recognition on these models. But what happens is at some point you reach human threshold, right? 
Um, and that's a step function. Sure, like the accuracy is just going to keep going, right? But your capability unlocks in this binary way where like suddenly you can do things you just couldn't do before because it's now better than a human. And that, you know, that was one of the inception points for standard was, well, we need to be able to recognize products on the shelf. And if models, if AIs can do that better than a person, that then suddenly unlocks the ability to do autonomous checkout, right? It wasn't like from a research perspective, it wasn't this like huge unlock where like suddenly we found this new uh, way to do AI and it, you know, leapfrogged us forward. It was just like, oh, you know, a little bit better. And now suddenly it, it makes sense after decades of progress. And the same thing's happening now with other, other techniques. So in generative AI with art, as an example, uh, which was, you know, I think the first thing that caught the world on fire last year, you know, you can watch generative AI for art over the last 10 years. It's just been getting better and better and better. But like two years ago, sure. It was like, well, that's interesting, but it's kind of garbage, <laughs> you know, for my, I would never put this into a movie. I wouldn't put it on my website, right? Like I wouldn't use this for merchandising, but like, is it even better than it was five years ago? Yeah. Like it's just this slow steady March. And then suddenly you cross this threshold and it's like, wow, that's better than, you know, you know, you look at mid journey, which is one of these great uh, generative art uh, models. Suddenly it's better than a professional photographer. It's better than a professional artist in a lot of ways, right? Uh, and like, you know, that was just slow, steady march. And then you cross the threshold and it's like, well, now clearly I'm going to, clearly it makes sense to use this now. Uh, and then, you know, same thing with ChatGPT. We've had, we've had language models that have generated text for years and years and years. And you can just look at their slow, steady march. And then suddenly it's like, wow, this can write an essay better than I can. <laughs> so now right, I'm going right. to use it, right? Like suddenly it makes sense. So uh, uh, a... An incremental, you're seeing an incremental change that the civilian, those of us out, out in the civilian world, away from AIs, all of a sudden it kind of appears out of nowhere. Yeah, exactly. So does it, uh, but, and we've, we've been living in a world of kind of supercharged technological transformation for, you know, 30 years now and uh, just rapidly one thing after another. And we see some things kind of come and flare out and then can maybe come back or whatever. What, what right now AI is, is the, is as buzzy as it can be. Does yeah. it stay this way? What do, do we keep, does it just turn on or is this something that kind of goes back underground for a while? Yeah, it's a great question. In, in the AI world, there's this notion of AI winters because you know, there's, and there's been like three or four AI winters, people refer to it. The field itself of AI was founded back in like the fifties, you know, from like the beginning of computer science, it's kind of fascinating from like the beginning of computer science, which goes back to mid-century. Um, people were already like, oh, what we're going to use this for is creating human level intelligence, right? Like that's clearly why we're, you know, we're not just making adding machines, you know, the, the luminaries, the grandfathers of com computer science and computers, like they already understood the impact. You know, you go back 70 years and like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make intelligence. Um, and that's, that's the real transformation here. And people got really excited about that, right? Like as we were making progress on computers, people were like, oh, wow, if I can like, you know, play checkers and, you know, start, you know, doing this, you know, that's, that's like where intelligence is the fact that you can like do this type of planning. So people got really excited, uh, rightfully so. Cause like if we can unlock intelligence, it changes everything. Um, but then fundamentally it didn't, right? Like it fell short. Uh, products and productization, industrialization of that didn't, you know, getting economic value out of it didn't really arrive. And there's been multiple peaks like that. You know, in the 80s, there was another peak. Um, this peak, I think, is, and people have talked about it, you know, is this just the beginning of another AI winter? And I, I, I fundamentally think the answer is no. Like we've reached this point now where the value is just so clear 
And it's not just to like experts and insiders and academics, it's to everyone. And, you know, the fact that ChatGPT got to 100 million users faster than any other product in history. Right? Like that's not, that's not because this is just interesting, it's because it's valuable. Like fundamentally people are using this and seeing the value. Uh, the fact that like almost every startup <laughs> today is an AI startup, uh, I don't think it's just a flash in a pan. Like it's got it's got like flavors of the crypto boom from a couple of years ago, where it's like, oh, let's just jump on the new hotness. Um, except that there is real economic value now. Like we are really driving value, and people are hungry for it. Right. When we when we first met, you had said something to me along the lines of that you don't need a Steve Jobs of AI. You don't need that one yep. charismatic figure who kind of takes ex existing technologies and ties them all together. And then this is, and sh you know, shines a bright light on the future. Is AI its own Steve Jobs? What? Yeah, I think that's a great, yeah, I was using that analogy when we were talking about the iPhone um, as one example of, you know, Apple's built many great products, right? But, you know, I think the iPhone was predicated on technology that already existed, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't new tech. It was a new product leveraging existing tech, but you needed that, right? Like the tech itself wasn't interesting enough. You needed this visionary who was going to say, we're going to work really hard. We're going to polish this, you know, for years and make this amazing experience. And then finally people will see the light that this is the thing that needs to be part of their, you know, everyday experience, right? Uh, and it took a lot of conviction and a ton of money, et cetera. And then they, you know, of course they, they succeeded, but all the technology already existed for years. Um, that's not what we're seeing with AI. Right, like we're seeing thousands of companies start. We're seeing people opt into just using this and you know bring it into their own personal workflows. Right, like people are figuring out how to do it for sales gen, and people are doing it for marketing copy, and people are doing it to you know just write emails and talk to their loved ones, which is probably not a great application, but people are doing it. <laughs> you know, so it's just like you know, it's just like it's palpable how much you know. I, uh, one of our investors calls this the suck. You know, you can feel the suck, which is like. People are pulling it. You're not. You don't have to push it. You don't have to convince people. There's no sales part to this, right? It sells itself because people just want it. Once they see it, once they feel it, they're just like, "I want this," and I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a way to keep getting more of this. It's, it's kind of palpable. I think it's, it's, it's also got some of this hacker vibe to what happened in early, you know, when when Apple and Microsoft actually were founded way back. There was this vibe in the hacker community of like, we we see all the power of this technology. And we want to find ways to apply it, right? There was thousands of people that were just in literally in their garage, you know, the notion of a garage startup, they were just in their garage hacking, trying to find cool ways to apply this technology because they had so much conviction that they, they could. And I think there's a lot of that vibe today of like one person, two people in a garage can, can just figure something out and figure out a way to drive value. So I think we have that same vibe and we have this like global awareness at the same time. Like you put those two things together. And you add on top of it that the biggest companies in the world are dumping billions of dollars into this. And it's suddenly, it's just like every, every possible incentive structure is pushing this thing forward. <laughs> I just can't right. see where to stop. At the same, and at the same time, that same dynamic is causing, I think a lot of people to have concern. Yeah. There's talk about government regulation. I think there's a lot of, uh, Shopify recently laid off something like 20% of their staff. And one of the things cited was we need to, there's a lot of things going on over there, but they also talked very much about we need, to, we're, we're in a good position to evolve with AI. You know, there's people who are worried about losing their jobs to AI. Yep. You obviously believe in AI, but is it also a dangerous technology? 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, you know, we just had the the Biden-Harris administration invited some of the top CEOs in the AI space, um, to the, I think it was just yesterday, to the White House to start discussing this. There was the the blueprint for AI ethics or regulation that the White House also put out end of last year. So I think, you know, that's actually, I'm, I'm a former regulator, so I, you know, I used to, I used to be on that side of the house and I'm excited to see the government try to keep pace here, which is great. I think also, you know, fundamentally government is slow and it's incumbent upon industry and also society to just push forward on this. So just having conversations about it, I think incredibly important. Um, yeah, I think there's two angles here. Like angle one is fundamentally technology is neutral and it can be used for good. It could be used for bad. Um, this is new technology. It has that same, has that same flavor, of course. Right. But I do think there's a, there's a qualitatively different piece of this technology, right? Like it's, it's tapping into what I consider the most powerful force on the planet, which is intelligence. You know, like the, the reason that humanity is the apex of all species on the planet. And while we've taken over the, literally taken over the world, we've reshaped the world. We're also in the middle of a, uh, you know, a global extinction event because we're, you know, causing sometimes unintentionally, you know, like, you know, it's like just unintentionally species are going extinct because of us, right? Like we're not even, there's nothing malicious about it, right? Uh, that's how powerful we are. Like without us paying attention, species go extinct because of us. Um, that's insane. And it's all because of intelligence. Like the thing that differentiates us is intelligence. There's nothing else on the planet that has our intelligence, but we are on the precipice of making something else with the same intelligence and potentially more intelligence than us. And what is the ramification of that? And I, you know, I think there's people who are like, that's really scary. And there's people who are like, look, it's just technology. We'll figure it out. And I think all that is like maybe too dismissive. Like for me, the true answer is it's a fundamental unknown. Like intelligence is powerful is all we really know. And what does it mean to introduce more intelligence to the equation? It's kind of just unspecified, It's which is scary. <laughs> You're making me nervous talking about extinction level events and <laughs> intelligence and then this is even smarter. But we we will have to see. And clearly, this is that's the thing, though, right? This is a technology that exists and is evolving, and many people have their hands on it. And people are we've seen it in music, we've seen it in art. People are you know seemingly tweaking it in their in their you know bedrooms or you yeah. know basements or something, and, and you know ups, upsetting entire industries. Um, if you're a CEO on the board, a chief, you know, executive in a fashion company. How do you think about this? How do you keep up with it? Because it's, it's a, it's a threat. It's a competitive advantage. It's a thing there's, I'm sure there's you, you and other AI service providers are coming. How do you, how's the layman or somebody who has not spent the last however many years of their life working in AI? How do we, how's the rest of the world process this, understand it, use it and hopefully not, you know, become extinct by it. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, yeah, I think it's at all levels of the stack of a, of a business, you know, like it starts with your employees and what's interesting about this tech is it's, it's, it's self self-serving, right? Like you can just use ChatGPT as an employee, right? Like you don't need to wait for your, your company to find ways to integrate AI into your operations. You don't need to wait for it to buy a tool. You can just go use ChatGPT, and a lot of employees are doing that, right? So I think that's that's cool. But actually, a lot of companies are saying, "No, don't do that." There's this, you know, there's we're worried about data leakage. We're worried about some of our IP going into 
ChatGPT and, you know, OpenAI retrains their model and somehow that works out, right? Which is valid concerns, right? But I would say to those companies, like, figure it out as fast as you can, right? Like, you can go work with Microsoft, uh, Azure, and, you know, get instances of of this on, like, a, a private cloud where none of that will happen, right? So, like, figure it out, right? Samsung just announced that they're going to ban their employees from using ChatGPT. Um, I think that's a huge mistake, right? Like, you want to stay relevant, like, get out of the way of your employees, step one, you know? Uh, and in fact, maybe lean into it. You know, we had this conversation at Standard um, just a couple of weeks ago. Like, should we be banning our employees from using GPT and things like Copilot, which is based off GPT for writing code? Uh, and, you know, my response was, not only should we not ban it, we need to move in the other direction. You know, a lot of our engineers are using this. Why aren't all of our engineers using this? Like, how do we incentivize people? If you get twice as effective using this tech, why should I, you know, some of our employees are using it, some of them aren't. And that's not really a good outcome. You know, we should we should encourage everyone to be using it rather than sort of having this like implicit haves and have nots. So that's like at your employee level. You can move one step up the stack and be looking for tools that are AI based. You know, if you're doing sales, there's now AI tools that help with marketing outbound, like we said, you know, that can help you generate tools. Um, there's a ton of, you know, in fashion as an I'm an investor in this company, Booth AI, and they help with uh, merchandising, you know, so you can generate images for uh, your your merch. Uh, you know, if you're in apparel, et cetera, right? You could do it a lot cheaper and you can actually generate a lot more interesting images, uh, you know, for that backpack that you're selling or for that jacket that you're selling. So, you know, I would say actively be looking for companies in the space that are moving fast and helping build tools and just, you know, use, you know, you don't need to make a big commitment, just start playing around with it, encouraging your teams to play around with it. Uh, and then there's sort of like the ultimate piece, which is like, do we invest internally in AI? And I think historically that's been completely outside the, the realm of possibility for most companies. It's hard enough just to, it's hard, you know, we've, we've said every company has to become a tech company and it's been hard enough for that to be true for, uh, you know, especially retailers. Now we're saying like every company has to be an AI company, <laughs> uh, which is crazy, but actually it's becoming easier. Um, it's it's easier than ever to integrate this stuff. Uh, and when ChatGPT opened up their API just a couple of months ago, they simultaneously announced a bunch of big companies using it. Companies like Shopify and Instacart, who are, those aren't AI companies, but suddenly they were just directly working with these AI models to enhance their product, right? They weren't going out and partnering with a, a AI company to build a tool for them. They just went straight to the AI themselves. And that's becoming that easy to integrate AI into, into your product. Right. So uh, we could talk about this all day, but I'll just hit you with one more question. And back to the, the kind of human question. And I think what there's a lot of this, a lot of people are worried about, there's a lot of concern around jobs with this. And you had just mentioned, you know, you, you're, you're a CEO, you have people who work for you, you're encouraging them to use AI to when they do their coding and do their work. Does this, and, and I think that, you know, a lot of people look at this dynamic and see, well, this is going to be layoffs and fewer people and AI and how you as a as a boss were looking at your budget, you could say, oh, maybe I only need half as many people coding if they're twice as effective with AI and you're running an AI company. So, right. you know, it, there is a vision of this that I hear you know people saying like, no, this is people doing better, more interesting work empowered. You're empowering people with AI. You're not replacing people with AI. I think that's something that a lot of people view skeptically. Is that, you know, how much, how's that changing? And do we have any idea how that changes over the next couple of years, the next five years, the next 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a great question. And 
I do think we are empowering people and that that will in some in some places it will just be same person working in the same job doing you know more interesting work for the company and for themselves right um in some places it'll be we're not going to cut we're gonna we're gonna just be twice you know if, we, if each person's twice as efficient we're going to be twice as productive you know with the same stuff like that's great right i can ship twice as many features that's that's amazing right um but are there going to be places where cuts happen i think absolutely it's just you know that that is the nature of of technology and then what happens after that i think is the question you know we've this is this is normal for humanity if you go back you know to the beginning of the agricultural revolution like basically we were all farmers now two percent of us are farmers and that's because of the power of automation that's been great for humanity like the fact that we've freed up 98 percent of mankind to go out and work in fashion you know work in computers work in you know medicine like that's been great for mankind uh, so fundamentally, I think that arc is powerful and good. It's a fundamentally good arc, and it's a disruptive arc that has a lot of turmoil in the in the interim. You know, the industrial revolution, you know, as maybe one of the most recent examples, hugely disruptive, caused a lot of unemployment, uh, and then freed up mankind to do better things. And, and you know, fundamentally, we found jobs for those people, but was it a really tumultuous period also for mankind and for a lot of folks who lost their jobs? The answer is. Yes. Right. So like, ultimately, I'm glad we went through the Industrial Revolution. I think almost everyone is. Uh, and there's a lot of people that suffered through it. So I think our our job as a society, and this is also partially where government steps in, but I think our job as a society is to say, yes, we, we are excited about this destination. The world will be better with more automation, just like it always has been. It will free us up to focus on the things we care most about as as, as people. And it will be disruptive in a positive and negative way. How do we mitigate the negatives? How do we make this something that will bring everyone along as much as possible. All right. Well, it sounds kind of like buckle up. Big things are happening. Uh, all right. I, Jordan Fisher from Standard AI. Uh, it's been great having you. Thank you so much for spending some time for us on WWD Voices. Excited to be here. Thanks so much.